0: We shall now turn to the chapter which we read together, Philippians chapter 3, and our text for this evening is verse 8. Philippians 3 and verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul was a very religious man, but he didn't know Christ. He didn't know the living and true God in a personal way. He knew his Bible and he knew a lot about God and he knew a lot about the law of God but he didn't know God. It's so important for us to get to know God and you know there's a huge difference between knowing about and knowing someone. You could think of somebody like Rishi Sunak Our Prime Minister. You all know his name. You've all seen pictures of him. You know different things about him. Perhaps you know that he's a Hindu and various things like that. But do you know him? Are you a friend of his? So we can know so much about God. But the vital question is, do we know God? And does God know us? Are we in a living loving relationship with God. In John 17, we have the great high priestly prayer of Christ, prayed on the night in which he was betrayed. He prayed for his church. And in that prayer, in the third verse, he says, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the true God, and Jesus Christ Christ. Whom thou hast sent. There we have eternal life. What is it? To know God. And when you get to know God. Eternal life enters into you. Even here on this earth. And that's vital for us. To have eternal life. Eternal life is to know God. And Jesus Christ. Whom he has sent. I wonder can you say. I know God. I know Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there's a day coming when we will all be judged. And to some people, Christ the Judge will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. He knew that they were workers of iniquity but he never knew them do you know god that's so important the christian the christian life is a life of knowing god getting to know him more and more and more as the days go by entering into a closer and closer relationship with him in a sense it's like being in love courting and we're looking forward to the marriage when we will be with christ united to him forever in heaven but we've got to start getting to know him here on earth or we won't be with him in heaven so paul here then is talking about this relationship that he has had that he has with god and with christ He talks about the change that takes place in his life that took place when he was converted. So I want us first to think tonight about Paul's past and then to think about Paul's conversion. And finally, to think about Paul's new life. First his past. Saul of Tartus, born. In uh, the area that's now called Turkey. But brought up in Jerusalem. Trained to be a rabbi. He was supposed to be one of the future leaders of the Jewish church. Naturally, he was gifted. Highly intelligent. He was a leader. He was... Somebody that was trained for the highest position and had the natural gifts to fill that position. He had every privilege and he was proud of who he was and what he had achieved. He tells us about his self-righteousness. He tells us that. He talks about others who boasted in their um, Judaism and he says, "Beware of dogs! Beware of evil workers! Beware of the the concision, the, the cutting party, who are laying so much emphasis upon the cutting of circumcision, and thinks you can't get to heaven unless you're cut in your flesh." We are the circumcision, he says, which worship God in the spirit. We're the true circumcision. We're the real Jews. You might be Gentile born, but you're a real Jew, a Scottish Jew. You're the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh or in works or in anything like that. I might have confidence in the flesh, he says, if any man could. If anyone has what they think they could trust in, in the flesh, I more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Well, that's what the law laid down, that every Jew should be circumcised as a baby eight days old. I was of the stock of Israel, a genuine child of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. I wasn't of mixed race. I wasn't partly Gentile. I was a real Hebrew of the Hebrews And as touching the law, I wasn't of some liberal party, I wasn't some Sadducee, but I was a Pharisee. Those who held firmly to the whole word of God and who believed the law of God should be kept. Whereas the Sadducees, they only took part of the Bible and they didn't believe in the resurrection and angels and all sorts of things. But as touching the law, he says, a Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church I was so zealous I I heard about this man Jesus of Nazareth obviously he was a blasphemer because he claimed that he was the son of God and he couldn't possibly be the son of God born in Nazareth brought up there and then his followers saying that he had risen from the dead couldn't be the case So I I persecuted the church of God because I was concerned for the purity of the church. I was concerned to stand for the true religion. I fought for the faith, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. My life was according to the Ten Commandments. Nobody could point a finger at me. I tried my hardest i did my best and i was different from so many others i was better than others because i was such a good living person but then he says what well, things were gained to me those i counted loss for christ so here's this man better than others better than most on his way to the top proud of his achievements trusting in his Jewishness and his Jewish religion, self-righteous like so many Jews, greatly respected, thought he was on the way to heaven. wonder could you be self-righteous tonight? It's one thing that surprised me greatly in talking to some old people who had spent all their days in the free church and asking them about their hope for eternity. Sometimes they would say things like, well, I tried my best and I've gone to church all my days and we keep family worship, you know, every day and we always say grace at mealtimes and we keep the Sabbath day holy and we try our best. We do what we can. I'm good to my neighbours. And What's all that? What good is there in all that? It's just works. Their own righteousness. Is that the way it is with you? Are you trusting in anything you are or anything you've done? Trusting in your baptism? Trusting in your membership in the free church? Free church continuing or whatever? Where is your trust? What is your hope for eternity? Is it in the blood of Christ and that alone? Paul's past. But then, secondly, Paul's conversion. Something amazing happened one day. He was on the road to Damascus. And a bright light shone from heaven. And somebody appeared to him, there in heaven, up in the sky, and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? (coughs) And he said, fell to the ground, shocked. He could see this was supernatural. It was no mere vision, it was real, real. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. Suddenly, the Pharisee on the way to the top is stopped. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What a change. You're my Lord now. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And you remember how Ananias was told to go and visit him and baptize him. And God said to Ananias, Behold, he prayeth. The sign that somebody is born again. Surely Saul of Tarsus often prayed. Oh, yes, he did. He was very good at praying and he said many, many prayers, but they were just empty words until one day he prayed. Do you pray? Do you really pray? Or is it just empty words? Is it just a form saying your prayers? Or do you pray to God? He met the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And his life was changed forever. Have you met Christ? It's vital for us. Every one of us, if we're going to get to heaven, that we've got to meet Christ and we've got to begin a relationship with him. Otherwise, when we die, he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. What wilt thou have me to do? He now knows that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. Look at the way he speaks here. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Those things that I boasted of, that I was so proud of, my achievements, I count them but loss, but dung, but rubbish in comparison to this knowing The Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the way he speaks of him. Christ Jesus, my Lord. My Lord. My Master. Christ. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah and Christ mean anointed. You remember how he was anointed at his baptism. How the Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And this was seen by, by John the Baptist and seen by Christ himself, the Spirit descending upon him. And he was anointed to be what? He was anointed to be a prophet, a teacher. It was the Spirit of Christ that was in the Old Testament prophets. And Christ himself is the Word. No man knows the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. prophet a teacher the one through whom we have the holy scriptures who reveals to us God and the way that we should live but he's also anointed a priest and we need a priest we need a sacrifice which will satisfy divine justice we need the lamb of God to take away our sins down through the old testament they were taught that they needed a sacrifice but the blood of bulls and of goats cannot take away sin we need The great sacrifice. And there's only one sacrifice that will do. The Son of God in human flesh. He came. And he took our sins upon himself. And he died as a substitute in our place. He died as our scapegoat. He bore our sins and bore our hell. And then he rose again and he went into heaven with his own blood to intercede for us. Just as a priest on the day of atonement would carry the blood of the sacrifice into the holy of holies. And that one day in the year, he would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat. Jesus took his own blood and went into heaven and sprinkled it upon the throne of judgment in heaven. The throne of judgment becoming a throne of grace. For his people. Christ. Christ the great prophet. Anointed prophet. Christ the great priest. Who offered the sacrifice for us. And makes continual intercession for us. Able to save even unto the uttermost. Seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession for us. And then anointed us a king. Because we need a king to subdue us. Because we're such rebels. All of us. A king to subdue us unto himself. And then having subdued us. To rule and defend us. To restrain and conquer all his and our enemies. Christ anointed king. The son of David. My king. Is he your king? And then. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Some people think they can trust in Jesus as their saviour and do what they like. They put their faith in Jesus who was crucified and then they live as they wish themselves and they think it's okay because if you just ask Jesus to forgive you he'll forgive you and that's okay. That's not okay. It's not allowed, actually. How can I be saved? You must repent and be converted that your sins will be blotted out. You must turn from your sins because real faith is penitent faith. Real faith is a faith that involves repentance and turning from sin unto God. And if we are to be real Christians, we not only have to put our faith in Christ, Taking him as our Savior, but we have to take the whole Christ. Christ as our Lord, our Master, our prophet to teach us, our priest to intercede for us, and our King to reign over us. We must accept the whole Christ. Not everyone, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How many people there are in the churches today who say, I'm a Christian? and they're going to get a terrible shock when they die. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I shall say to them, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. These are very searching words. It's amazing that a person could be a prophet, speaking the word of God. And that a person could cast out devils through Christ. And perform miracles and have amazing answers to prayer. And end up in hell. So it's not enough to be a prophet and a miracle worker, a member of the church, or even a minister or elder in a church. We must know him. Depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know Christ? Well, in the third place, what is... This knowing Christ. We see Paul's new life as a converted man, a born again man. This new life is a life of getting to know Christ more and more. I count all things but loss for the excellency, the wonder of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them, but dung that I may win Christ, all I want is to win Christ, to win into his presence, to win in his love, to be conscious of his love, to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, not trusting in keeping the commandments and keeping the traditions, or whatever it is, my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, it's as we put our trust in Christ, as we believe in Jesus, that's the way and the only way we can have true righteousness. Self-righteousness is filthy rags which will not save us. The righteousness which we need is the imputed righteousness of Christ. Jesus was perfect. And he gives to us that perfection which is received by faith alone. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a matter of getting to know him more and more. Paul was thrilled with the knowledge of Christ. It was what excited him above everything else. One thing mattered, knowing Christ. Is that true of you? He wants to know Christ more and more and more. Not just know about him, although it is important to know about him, but to know him personally, to experience him. To love him. To enjoy him. Being in a relationship with Christ. You see, the Christian life is not simply a matter of beliefs and practices. Too many people think a Christian is somebody who believes in Jesus. Or believes Jesus died for his sins and rose again. But mere beliefs. Is not Christianity. And mere practices, keeping commandments, going to church, doing good deeds, and even a combination of beliefs and practices, it's not true Christianity. True Christianity is knowing Christ. It's being in a saving relationship with Christ going into a deeper and deeper relationship with him. And it's a growing thing forgetting those things which are behind, stretching forth unto those things which are before, apprehending that for which also I was apprehended of Christ Jesus, pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're called to this high life of a living relationship with Christ and we are to be pressing on toward that mark. Mere beliefs and practices, that's dead. We need a living Christianity, a vital relationship with Christ. We need to experience Him. I was reading of a heathen convert who said, I read my Bible and I hear God speaking to me. I close my Bible. And I speak to God. There's the relationship. As he's reading his Bible, he's listening to God. He's listening to what Jesus is saying. And then he closes his Bible and starts to pray. And he's talking to God. And you see the relationship that is there being developed between him and God. How can we get to know him more and more? Well, we've got to be born again. That, of course, is the first step. Because by nature, we're dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. We've got to be resurrected. We've got to rise from the dead. We've got to be born again. And that's beginning a new life as a baby in Christ. A new life. We've got to have that new beginning. You must be born again. Are you born again? So the new birth is a start, but that's only the start. And then you go on from there, growing. Growing in Christ, growing in relation to Christ, developing step by step, building up a relationship with him. And how do you do that? Well, you do it in reading the Bible. It's so important. Spending time every day, not rushing it. But reading it, reading it in a leisurely way, meditating upon the scriptures. What's God saying to me here? How does this apply to me? How does it apply to the world around me? Spirit of God, open my mind so that I will understand. Help me, Lord, to know what I'm reading. Prayer is so important, and I'm meditating on it, and taking it, taking the Bible with us. Reading the Bible and then praying. Praying to the Lord. Our relationship grows in secret prayer. Prayer in the family. These things are so important. Prayer, how vital it is. And then Christian fellowship joining together with other Christians and encouraging one another in the things of God and telling each other what the Lord has done. Come here, I'll tell what he did for my soul, sharing together our experiences in Christ, profiting also from the various things that happen, seeing God's hand in everything in life, giving thanks for all the good things, When you get up in the morning you thank God for the night's rest. You thank God as you're washing yourself in the morning for the blood of Christ that washes you from your sins. As you put on your clothes you thank God for the robe of righteousness that clothes you you from nakedness. As you eat your food you thank God for the heavenly manna that he sends to you. The bread from heaven feeding upon Christ. And so it is right throughout the day getting to know God more and more and more in our living relationship and then when troubles come troubles can be a time of deepening our relationship with God why does he send pain, sickness affliction because so often when you and I when everything's going well we forget God but when trouble comes when you're in pain You remember God, don't you? When you're in trouble, you cry out, Lord, help me. How important it is for us to have these times of trouble which correct us, chastise us for our sins, but also purify our faith. It's often uh, when people are sick and in trials and troubles that you see the reality of their faith how faith triumphs in trouble. And it's, of course, on a deathbed that you see sometimes the most beautiful faith. I often have, from time to time at least, had the experience of being with beautiful Christians when they're dying. and It's wonderful to see that faith that triumphs. The Saviour's coming for me. I remember one man saying that, There he was all in so much weakness and pain and suffering. And he was saying, the Lord is coming for me at last. And the smile of triumph on his wizened face. So beautiful. How it stuck with me. Think of another man I went in for the last time to see him in the hospital. His hands stretched out to God in prayer. Another man I went to see him as he was dying. He had called his family around and he said to me, I'm dying, I can feel death creeping over my body, but speak to my family, tell them how wonderful the Saviour is and how important it is for us to have our faith in him. How beautiful it is to see these radiant Christians. I think of another one. I remember her memory had gone and she was she was dying. I was there with her daughter in the room with her and the face, her face shining like the face of an angel beautiful Christian. How lovely it is to see the Lord's people, yes, in trials and troubles we get to know him. And then of course church is so important. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But we come to church and we, we join in singing the psalms that he has given us to praise his name. We sing together and We edify one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts unto the Lord and singing to one another, teaching each other. And then in prayer, joining together in prayer, where the two or three are gathered together, where you agree on earth concerning something it is done in heaven. And then the reading, the public reading of the word, God speaking. And the preaching of the word. What a blessing it is. To gather in church. I think of Christians. In places like China. Who are not allowed to gather. As we are. They don't have freedom. They're always under surveillance. Congregations are being broken up. Into little cell groups. Meeting together in fear. But you and I have freedom. And how we should relish. Relish that freedom, and enjoy it together, gathering together. And the Lord himself has promised to be in the midst. What a means of grace it is to worship God as we are here tonight. What a blessing for our souls. We think of the Lord's Supper. There again, the symbols of the broken body and the shed blood as we remember the Lord's death till he comes. Time and time again being encouraged as we take the sacrament. We think of baptism. It's only performed once. But the benefit is not limited to that one occasion. It's something we're to benefit from for the rest of our lives. Thinking back to how we're washed. Washed in the waters of baptism. Of how we're united to Christ engrafted into him, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're members of the Church of Christ by baptism and so we seek to profit from that means of grace. So all these things are there to help and to encourage us, to warm our hearts and fellowship. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus speaking about the things of God and Christ came and joined them as he has promised to join us when we're speaking together of the things of God. And did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us by the way? Yes, we need these burning hearts. And of course, telling others the gospel evangelizing that's important too and witnessing and in these things we we sometimes amazed how the lord helps us gives us the words to speak when we didn't know what we could say in a certain situation again that encourages our faith and we're getting to know the lord with us when there's difficult times and we're having to stand up for the lord and The Lord helps us to witness for him in these situations. There again we have that getting to know him more and more. Every one of us have our own struggles and trials. And sin is never far away. And Satan's always got his wiles with which he comes to tempt us. We're involved in a battle against the world and the flesh and the devil. But through all this, we are to put on the whole armour of God, the blessed breastplate of the righteousness of Christ, having our loins girt about with truth, truth of God, knowing the difference between truth and error, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of hope on our heads, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. And as we fight the good fight of faith, our faith develops. Running that race which is set before us, laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to him. And getting to know him and his spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are the children of God. And enabling us to cry out, Abba, Father, God is my Father. He doesn't leave us on our own. He comes to us. The Spirit comes. We are to be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit, seeking more and more to be full of God's Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, witnessing in the Spirit. And each one of us, more and more getting to know him. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And to count them but done. That I may win Christ. Paul is talking about himself. And his growing relationship with Christ. Do you know Christ? Do you know him personally? And are you getting to know him more And more as the days go by. Maybe you have never got to know Christ before. Well, come tonight. He says, look to me and be saved. Come unto me. Put your trust in him. Seek the Lord and you will find him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him tonight and you'll be saved. And if you do know him. Don't be content with your knowledge. Get to know him more and more until that day when you will see him face to face and you will be like him for you will see him as he is. Let's pray. (coughs) Gracious God, we thank thee for the teaching of thy word. We thank thee for the amazing fact that sinners like us can enter into a living, vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that we're able to say he is mine and I am his. My beloved is mine. Grant, O Lord, that every one of us here would know Christ in a personal way and that as the days go by we would get to know him more and more and that we would serve him faithfully all our days till that day when we are called home to be with Christ forever. Teach us, O Lord, the importance of knowing Christ and grant that we would be content with nothing less but this deepening relationship with him forgive all our sins for Jesus sake Amen Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 73 Psalm 73 singing verses 24 to 28 words that speak of a living relationship with Christ Psalm 73 at verse 24. Thou with thy counsel while I live, wilt me conduct and guide, and to thy glory afterward receive me to abide. Whom have I in the heavens high? But thee, O Lord, alone, and in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. We desire Christ above all all others. Verses 24 to 28. Are as follows: the Thursday night prayer meeting, seven thirty, taken by, will be taken, God willing, by Mr. Ian Martin. The services next Sabbath at the usual times, taken by Reverend Graham Craig, will also be there for the following prayer meeting on the nineteenth of October, and the services on Sabbath twenty second October. I mentioned in the morning that there was. Uh, presbytery meeting due in Bewley on Tuesday for the sign of a call to Reverend Greg MacDonald but since uh, morning we've heard that uh, Reverend Greg MacDonald assisted the call he's not uh, going to accept the call and so the Presbytery meeting will not take place these are all the intimations the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.